I was thinking here, and, and this is probably a good day to think about it. Um, I've been to Belize a few times on some missions trip, and I don't know if you've been to Belize or not, uh, or know anything about it, but Belize can get pretty hot, you know? And I know people go there for vacations, and they go out on the water. Where we are in the camp, it's inland. It's near the, uh, the capital of Belmopan. And uh, when we're there, it's right at the end of July, so it's a pretty hot time. Uh, like so during the day uh, almost a hundred not quite and very high humidity during the evening it cools way down sometimes almost to 90 uh, and uh, so you're really feeling that and and I am not necessarily a hot weather person but we're there and we enjoy and, and I love speaking at the camp and I love doing all that part there and uh, one of the things that happens at, at that camp, actually probably almost any Word of Life camp, is there's a time they have, they call it the bonfire or the campfire. And, and the reason for that is it's a time especially to direct people's hearts and minds to really think about giving themselves completely to the Lord in terms of service and dedication. And here I am, this is the first time I was in, uh, in Belize. It was especially hot. And I know what's going on. I know what's there. I'm going to be preaching. And all of a sudden, they have this bonfire like you couldn't believe. Like it's this roaring bonfire, flames, I don't know how high in the air, this huge fire. And I'm standing there, and I'm feeling it because it's right against my back. Ah, that's what I needed, more heat. <laughs> it was an amazing time, though. Because as we talked, as we shared, and as God worked in hearts, uh, so many of the young people and even the staff really said, God, yeah, I really do want you. And you know, we talk about Isaiah, or at least I did that time, and that's who we're going to look at today, because, you know, Isaiah is such a great example with that of someone who was following the Lord, who would have said he loved the Lord, but he came to a place where God really gripped his heart. It was towards the early part of his ministry. And, and I think as we look at these things, we can really begin to understand something about what our heart is like and what he wants us to be and what he wants us to look at and examine. So that, so that we're not just, you know, you know the phrase, just going through the motions, we're really sitting there, and we're really standing there before the Lord, and we're really moving in our whole world, wherever we are, that we are proclaiming who Jesus Christ is. That, that we are letting people know that he has our lives. And Isaiah is a tremendous example. I mean, Isaiah, let me tell you a little bit about him. In case you don't remember, Isaiah is one of the major prophets. We don't know a lot about him except from the book. We do know that he served during the time of King Uzziah, uh, all the way through Hezekiah at least. Uh, he knew those people. He spent a lot of time with them. And those names may not mean a lot to you, but that was a hard time in the, in the whole history of Judah. Um, Uzziah was mostly a godly king, but, but people were walking away from the Lord, you know? Uh, people weren't really following after him. And, and as Isaiah writes, you get the idea very much that much of Judah was taking time and they were beginning to follow idols. They were taking time and just, uh, just focusing on themselves. 
They, they were forgetting that God was the one who was supposed to be leading them, and they just looked to themselves. It was a hard, hard time. And God, in his sovereignty and mercy and grace, spoke to his heart. And he did it in an unusual way, and we'll look at it in a little bit. And this is what began his whole ministry. This is what he focused on. This is what he said, this is what God has led me to. And I'm going to suggest it's what he leads us to as well. I mean, it's easy to go through life sometimes and saying, God, yeah, you can have this much of me, or you can have this part of my existence, or you can have this much, but God, the rest of it's mine. And I hope that's not your case, but I've talked to enough people, and I know what I'm like to think that, yeah, there are times that we kind of want God just to be this much of us. And I... I'm going to challenge us. I'm going to to help us understand that, that what went through Isaiah's life is what needs to go in ours. So let's look at it. It's Isaiah chapter 6 is where we're going to look. And this is, like I said, although it's a chapter 6, it's talking about the beginning of his ministry. And these are things, I'm going to say there are four things he recognizes that absolutely changes what he is like. Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, we're going to read through verse 9, actually just the first part of 9. Okay? And he says this. By the Spirit of God, this is what is recorded. In the year that King Uzziah died, I, this is Isaiah, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. That was the vision he had. And this is what Isaiah responded. Woe is me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, that is God said, Go and tell this people, and he gives the message that he's to tell. Four, th- four things I think Isaiah recognizes in this time. I, it, it's amazing when you think about the whole, the, the vision, dream that he had. Do you dream? I, I do. Um, I, I dream quite a bit. And that may say something about my sleep pattern and everything else. I think it might say something about my personality because I dream and a lot of exciting things. I tell people I'm usually the hero in my dreams, you know? Uh, I kind of like that. I have some exciting things uh, going on in my life, but I've never had anything like this. And I don't think I really want to. 
Isaiah, as he saw there, he saw like God in the temple and all his glory. It was an amazing thing that he saw. Uh, He saw what was there. And as he did, I would say the first thing he recognized was the holiness of God. You see, the seraphs were there, and these are like angel sort of beings in there. They're sitting there saying to one another very, very loudly, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He's declaring, they are declaring the holiness of who God is. Holiness defined the easiest thing, and you, you probably know this, but holiness very simply means uh, uh, separated or set apart. But, but taken farther, as you look at it, it's really especially that, that he is perfect in goodness and righteousness. That, that's what holiness in its most simple form is. But that's who God is. Uh, as we do the Getting Connected class, we talk about the person of God a little bit. And one of the things I ask, and I'd ask you to think about, what's the first thing that you think about when someone says God what do you think about? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? I say God, and you would say, and uh, I just did that a couple of weeks ago and are getting connected, and, and there were several people. I mean, they said, oh, well, I think of love. I think of power. I think creator. I think life. And those are all good, and those are all true. But I would also say, that as we think about who God is in all of his character, in all that he is, we need to remember that he is holy. That he is absolutely pure. That he is absolutely set apart and separated from anything that is ungodly. That is his nature because out of that, that begins to explain a lot about us and what Isaiah recognized here in just a minute, just to understand the holiness of God. And God, as as he is in existence, shows what holiness is like in living it out. He has no part of sin. He is separated from sin, absolutely. In, In a very real sense, he can't abide sin. I've used the word pure. He is pure in everything that he is. That's the heart of holiness. That's the life of holiness. And that is who God is. You you know that and you remember that. But that's what Isaiah came to. And and I think it was significant in Isaiah's life because he had been, uh, he was beginning there, this part as a prophet. Uh, He had been there. We don't know how old he was for sure. I don't think he was a... Uh, very old at that point, a young man probably. But it seems as though he hadn't been thinking so much about the holiness of God. It's possible that he was kind of wrapped up in everything that Judah was doing at that point. Being religious, doing religious things, but not really having a heart for God. Does that make sense to you? As I look at that, I think, yeah, he saw that. He sees who God is. I mean, as we recognize that God is holy, I was thinking about this, and and you remember in the New Testament, remember when Peter was out fishing? You remember the story. He was there. He'd come back. He hadn't caught anything. And it was a bad night for a fisherman. He gets there, and you remember the story. Jesus has been there teaching, and, and, he, and he says, uh, Peter, throw your nets on the other side. And Peter says, 
what do you know about fishing? But he did it, and you remember, he caught this huge amount of fish. And what did Peter do? Do you remember? In Luke chapter 5, verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And when I first looked at that, several years ago, I thought, why did he say that? That seems like a strange comment until I begin to realize Peter understood that the only one who could recognize that the fish were there, wrong time of day, everything else, and, and have those fish be caught, it had to be God. And he recognized that. He falls down at the knees of Jesus and says, get away from me. I am a sinful man. I am not worthy. Which is true in of, in, and of himself. The holiness of God. I, I believe we need to grab a hold of that. And I believe that Isaiah, this is the first thing he recognized. He recognized absolutely the holiness of God and what that meant. The next thing, as he goes here, and this is still part of a vision going on. The next thing, as he responds to it, is he says, wow. I am in trouble. He says this, verse, uh, verse 5, Woe is me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. The second thing he recognized was his own sinfulness. He recognized what was really going on in his life. Let's think about this like an illustration. You may have seen this. You may have done it yourself. You've been in a room that's been white for a long time, been painted white, you know? And you know in your mind it's, oh, it's white. You go in there, oh, this is the room that's white, you know? But over a period of time, what happens to white paint? What happens to things that begins to maybe yellow, get a little dirty? But every time you walk in there, your mind says it's white. But if you hold up a pure white piece of paper or something in front of that wall, suddenly it's like... Whoa, that's not white anymore. That's what Isaiah saw. He had been doing religious things. He would have been considered a good guy. But in light of God's holiness, he recognized, I am totally undone. I mean, partly in the sense here, because he said, I've seen the Lord and he had in his vision. But he says especially, I, have, I live among people of unclean lips. I have unclean lips. I'm going to suggest he recognized his own sinfulness that he and the people around him were living in disobedience. They were taking God lightly. As you look at things that he writes about, they just weren't sure that God was everything they wanted to pour themselves into. That They were spending time with idols, and I don't know that Isaiah was, but the people around him, many of them were. They were more concerned for themselves than they were about God and, and his character and his holiness. And he lived among those people, and he had somehow, as he thinks, he has bought into that. I live among people of unclean lips, and that can go for a lot of different things. And then he says, he says, I have this specific sin. I, I have unclean lips. Now, I don't know exactly what that means. As I read different, nobody knows exactly what that means. But it might mean this. He may have had a trouble with the way that he talked. 
He may have had maybe a little bit of a potty mouth. I don't know that that's the case. I do think it's much more likely that he was careless in how he spoke about God. I think things came out of his mouth that, that were not always honoring to God. He may have used the Lord's name uh, unjustly. I, I don't know. No one knows. All he says is, I've got a problem here, and I know that I've got a problem. I, I see what it is. He doesn't say it this way, but I see it as sin, and I know that it has separated me from him. It may have been even things he was eating. But whatever it was, it was a specific sin or sins that were tearing him apart. And he recognized that. He recognized his own sinfulness. And every one of us who have come to Christ by faith have had to recognize our own sinfulness, haven't we? I can remember that when I was 12 years old. And I don't know how bad a person can be at 12 years old, but I knew my own little heart. And, and it was my conviction of sin and what sin was that brought me to Christ. Same thing with you. At some point, you have to recognize that there is sin. This is the gospel, really. This is the message of the gospel. As much as we don't always like it, it is true that we are sinful people, the Bible says. God says we've all fallen short of God's glory, and we are guilty because of that. We might have different sins, we might do different things, but it is sin. We live in sin, and that sin, the Bible says, condemns us. Ephesians 2.1 says that we are dead, dead in our trespasses and sins. There is no spiritual life in us. And there is nothing that we can do about that ourselves. And I can hear some of you saying, as you're sitting here, as you're listening, Jim, that is a terrible message. That is, where is the love? Where is the hope? Why are you saying these things? I'm saying these things because that's exactly what the gospel is, the beginning part of it. To recognize our own sinfulness. But there is a message of hope, and that comes to the next one. As Isaiah gets here, he recognizes God's complete forgiveness. As he says here, beginning with verse, um, uh, verse 6, Then one of the seraphs flew into uh, me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. You know, those of us who are not brought up in a Jewish heritage, we weren't there with the, all the sacrifices and everything, we may not completely understand. But this is a great picture here from the Old Testament of the sacrifices, especially on the Day of Atonement. That there were the sacrifices were done that needed to be completed for the atonement that God was bringing to all of Israel, all of Judah. And there was this big altar, and, and the picture here is that the seraph took, took a coal from that fire, that fire that was burning that sacrifice. And he uses that. It's a picture of what God has done for us and what Isaiah recognized in this whole thing that God 
provides forgiveness. And in this case, I would say he accepts God's complete forgiveness. You see, God does provide a way for forgiveness. Here for Isaiah, he pictured it through the seraph bringing the coals and touching his lips as the idea of the atonement. He says, you, your, your sins are forgiven, they're put away, they're covered. But far more than that, and Isaiah writes about it as he writes through much of his book, he talks about looking ahead to the Messiah, the one who would come. That would be Jesus, wouldn't it? And Jesus is the one who is the one who has provided atonement for us, complete satisfaction before God that our sins have been paid for. And as awful as the story is that our sins condemn us and pull us away from God, it is just as great and, and completes the whole story is that God provides salvation for us through the person of Jesus Christ. It's nothing that I do. It was nothing that Isaiah did. He didn't go get the coal. He didn't do the touching of the lips. He didn't do any of that. It was all what God had provided. And for us, it is all what Jesus does for us, isn't it? He is the one who provides a way of forgiveness. He's the one who provides a way of salvation. In Romans, Romans 3, 24 and 25, as Paul writes there by the Spirit of God, and he says this, And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That's what Christ did. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He's saying Christ became our atonement. He covered our sins. He forgave our sins. Absolutely. In the Psalms, the psalmist talks about that God removes our sins from us as far as the east is from the west in a measurable distance. He declares that he actually does forgive us. In Ephesians uh, 1.7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And in Ephesians again, in 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. He forgives us. He forgives you. He has forgiven me. Not because of what we do, but because of what Christ did for us. And, and Isaiah understood that. He understood that completely. And the last thing then he recognizes is that he can then truly, absolutely serve God. You know, once I was the enemy of God, according to the scriptures, and now, by faith, I'm a child of God. I can now serve him. And, and Isaiah says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. And God said, Go and tell this people. Once we have invited Christ to be our Savior, once we are redeemed, once we are born again, we have the great capacity and the great joy that we can actually serve this holy God that we talked about, that we saw about. You know, I don't have to do something to make God love me anymore. I don't have to do certain things. I put here, no penance is required. You see, because it's not what we do, it's what Christ has done. 
I don't have to do certain things somehow. I've seen pictures of uh, people throughout the world, they're called flagellantes, and you may have seen them, who, who whip themselves and possibly carry a, a cross, somehow thinking that they are gaining favor with God by doing these things, maybe rejecting their sin, but we don't have to do that. There's a movie called The Mission, several years old here now. Jeremy Irons was the guy in the character. They were, he was a... Um, a Spanish conquistador in, uh, in Peru, and he'd done some horrible things to the native tribes there, and then God changed his heart. And part of the movie then, you see him as he's trying to work out his own sin, carrying this heavy burden. In one place, he's carrying this huge burden up this huge waterfall. And it's, it's a moving picture, but I'm sitting there saying, no, no, we don't have to do anything else. Christ has already done it. And since that's the case, then I can serve him with a whole heart. And people will tell me, but Jim, I'm so bad. Yeah, you may be. So is the thief on the cross. God says he forgives. You might say, but, but I keep making mistakes. I keep sinning. Yeah, that happens. We're sorry it happens. But God says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confessing to him, confessing to God himself. God enables us then to serve him. Not just in full-time ministry, there are those who do that, but you know, in your life, where you live, what you do, Whatever your vocation might be, you say, I, I'm going to serve you. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Then you have the opportunity, you have the joy and the privilege of saying, I want to serve you. <laughs> the testimony of Isaiah, I think, is powerful. I mean, he's a guy who had been going through life doing even religious good things. But then God appeared to him and showed him what was at his heart. And he needed to understand the absolute holiness of God. He needed to know that. He needed to see his own heart. He needed to understand the forgiveness that God provides. And need to understand that he's immediately set free to serve God. Is that your testimony? It can be. Just as you have trusted Christ, you can serve him. There's people we know. Aubrey. Aubrey was a teacher. And God gripped her heart so much that now she serves in Lesbos, Greece, among refugee children. My friend Craig was a businessman. God gripped his heart showed him these things, and now he runs a camp in Nicaragua. There was a guy named R.G. Letourneau, the school where I went. R.G. was a brilliant engineer. He embraced God with a whole heart, and he built a business that poured into the lives of people around the world. You can be that. Wherever you are, whatever you do, 
You can say along with Isaiah, here am I, send me. That's the message of Isaiah. And that's the message that God desires for us. Trust him and then serve him. Isn't that terrific? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the example of Isaiah, for what he teaches us by the, his life. God, take your words, I pray. Burn them into our hearts by your spirit and help us to come to the place where we trust you. And then we say along with Isaiah, hear my Lord, send me. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you. Go and serve the Lord this week and enjoy him with your whole heart.